360 degrees. Ha ha, 360 degrees. Ha ha, 306, 306, 360 degrees. Ha ha. Buenas noches, mi gente, and welcome to Full Circle, your cultural affairs radio magazine, produced by members and graduates of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program, broadcasting for KPFA in Huchin, known to settlers as Berkeley, California, from Pueblo's occupied territory, known to settlers as Albuquerque, New Mexico. I am your host, Sentian Shiloh B., a.k.a. DJ Lowe. On tonight's show, we continue with programming to commemorate Black History Month by discussing the book, A Black Woman's History of the United States, written by Dr. Dana Ramey Berry and Dr. Callie Nicole Gross, and hear directly from some of the voices these historians discuss in the book, thanks to the Pacifica Radio Archives, Voices That Change the World collection. So grab your tea or preferred evening beverage and get comfy as we transport you to our virtual living room conversation with powerful black women who have continued to resist white supremacy, racism, sexism, homophobia, and other forms of oppression here in the United States. Listen in on KPFA. Don't you know Talking about a revolution sounds whisper. Don't you know? Talking about a revolution sounds like a whisper. While they're standing in the welfare lines, crying at the doorsteps of those armies of salvation, wasting time in the unemployment lines, sitting around waiting for. Get their share. Poor people gonna rise up and take what's there. It's fine. 
I think that we have a responsibility to research the contributions of our mothers and grandmothers. And we have the responsibility to continue to fulfill the legacy which has been left us by struggling women from among our people, understanding that without their contributions, our people would have never been able to withstand the savagery and the brutality inflicted upon us for so many hundreds of years. And so I think that we can say without the slightest hesitation that there has never been a single moment in the history of our people in this country when black women were not intensely involved in the resistance struggle, that once black women became involved in the fight for the liberation of their people, then half the battle was won. And when I speak of black women, I have to praise my own mother. And when I reflect upon the long and infinitely rich history of struggle that has been written with the sweat and blood of black women. So when you, when you talk about oppression, you have to be able to localize it there where it's most concrete, where it's real. Hey, hey, we are back here on KPFA on 94.1 FM, and you're listening to Full Circle, the weekly show produced by apprentices and graduates of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. And I am your host, DJ Lowe, a.k.a. Senti and Shiloh B., I started off tonight's show commemorating Black History Month with Tracy Chapman's song, Talking About a Revolution, first released in 1988 on Elektra Records on her debut album entitled Tracy Chapman. I love that song so much because when you whisper, people lean in. I chose that song because Dr. Barry and Dr. Gross were revolutionary in how they started out a black woman's history of the United States, with the first woman of African descent to step foot on Turtle Island, known to settlers as, as the United States, with Isabel de Oliveira, a free, single woman. Before embarking on her year-long journey, Isabel first sought legal protection as a free, unmarried woman. In fact, she had to prove her identity in a court of law to join the expedition and travel from Mexico City to what is now known as New Mexico. She is quoted as saying she wanted an affidavit that confirmed she was free and not bound by marriage or slavery. That in and of itself was revolutionary. As the historians go on to write, 1444 marks the first year a slave ship left the African coast for a Portuguese market, and Isabel demanded protection via legal decree that she was free from the bounds of marriage and slavery over 150 years after that date. I would like to read an excerpt from the first chapter of A Black Woman's History of the United States. The co-authors write, One thing is certain. Olvera knew that before she left, she had to protect her rights. In trying to situate black women in the early history of the United States, it is important to imagine the spaces and fill in the gaps as best we can, especially when we know that black women were present. So, dear listeners, don't sleep on it any longer. If you have not read this book, please pick it up. And the Winter Fun Drive begins on Tuesday, and I know it is one of the amazing premiums we are offering. Please check out our website, kpfaapprentice.org, for all the links from tonight's show and more information. 
And as always, your local bookstore is sure to have a Black woman's history of the United States on their shelves as well. I followed up Tracy Chapman's song with an excerpt directly from Angela Davis, again from the Pacifica Archives' Voices That Changed the World collection. Davis spoke about the responsibility and importance of acknowledging and researching the contributions of Black women in the struggle and fight for liberation. Facts on facts on facts. And Dr. Barry and Dr. Gross have the receipts in A Black Woman's History of the United States. And they also write about the importance of including the words of Black women themselves. In the introduction, the co-authors write... We did so not only to have Black women's voices play a central role in this book, but also because we fundamentally believe that what these voices tell us is crucial for understanding history and for using that history to help us navigate the challenges of today. What better voice than Angela Davis to begin tonight's show? And Dr. Davis also immediately talks about the rich legacy of everyday grandmothers, mothers, sisters, and daughters that, as the book states, had a way of taking restrictions and refashioning them into new traditions. Next up, Fannie Lou Hamer's interview, where she talks about how she co-founded the Freedom Democratic Party after being locked out of the DNC in the 1960s. Not only did she challenge the local Democratic Party's efforts to block Black participation, but she also organized voter registration efforts. And after becoming frustrated by the political process, she shifted her focus to economics as a strategy for greater racial equity. Listen in directly to one of the most important, passionate, and powerful voices of the civil voting and economic rights for African Americans movement, Fannie Lou Hamer. Thank you very much. Uh, My home is in Rooseville, Mississippi. It's located in the Black Belt of Mississippi, known as the Delta area. And actually, the way I got involved in the Freedom Democrat Party is we tried to get in the regular Democrat Party. We tried from the precinct level up to the county and from the county to the state. I remember when we tried to attend the precinct meeting at the little polling place in Roosevelt. It was eight of us went up to visit the precinct meeting, and the door was locked and we couldn't get in, and we stood on the outside and held our own meeting. We elected our chairman and our secretary, our delegates and our alternates, and we passed the law to resolution, and we moved from the precinct level on through the county and up to the state. The 24th of April in 1964, we organized at the Masonic Temple in Jackson, Mississippi, the Mississippi Freedom Democrat Party, mm-hmm. and then the 24th of August in 1964, we went to the National Convention in Atlantic City, New Jersey, to challenge the seating of the regular delegation from Mississippi. Mm-hmm. In which you were unsuccessful. That's right. We was offered two votes at large as a compromise. In the convention. In the convention. Mm-hmm. But... After 100 years, we wouldn't accept a compromise because it didn't mean anything to 63,000 people at that time was registered with the Freedom Democrat Party, so we didn't compromise. So again, in January, beginning the 4th of January, the three candidates from the Freedom Democrat Party, Mrs. Gray, Mrs. Devine, and I went 
uh, before the door of the House of Representatives to contest the seating of the five representatives from Mississippi. And we was turned away, and we wasn't allowed to even go in to have, you know, to contest their seating. We didn't go there to be seated because we knew from the beginning that we wouldn't be seated, but we wanted to explain our side, whereas in a state that 42% of the people can't register, they wasn't representing us. And I think somebody, it's time now for somebody to be in Congress that's going to represent the people of Mississippi. Mm -hmm. And we wasn't allowed to go inside, but that didn't stop the challenge. We did have that day 149 congressmen that stood up against these people being seated. So we are still working with this challenge, and we hope by the last of this month, which is August, that we will have a chance to unseat these congressmen. Mm. Because actually, this voting bill that the president passed last week, it doesn't mean anything. And I'm not looking for a voting bill in 1965 when they are not enforcing the voting bill and our voting rights with the 15th Amendment, which guaranteed us the same rights to vote from the 15th Amendment in 1870. And at that time, 1870, Mississippi was readmitted back to the Union because they promised at that time that they wouldn't do anything to disenfranchise Negroes to keep them from registering to vote. So now it's a matter of a violation of the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendment of the Constitution of the United States. And what I'm curious to see, do the Constitution of the United States mean anything? So far, it hadn't worked, and I'm sick of seeing this kind of stuff on paper. We want them to do something about it because we are a part of America, because we didn't come here on our own. Our parents and our descendants was from Africa, and we didn't come on our own, but we do want to be treated as human beings. And I'm fighting for human right, not for equal right. In fact, I cried. I don't know would I really been involved in politics now if I had known it was like it is. But one day, I think, working with this Mississippi Freedom Democrat Party and so many great people that I find in this country, and especially these young people of this country, we will have a great democracy. And only through that that we can bring a change because... I'm really fed up with covering up stuff, you know. This stuff has been covered up year after year, and we are beginning now to sweep it out from under the rug that the world can see that we are not free in America. And that make nobody free here until all, we all are free.
monkey dance, monkey dance, monkey dance for you. See, I won't help you understand. I don't need no helping hand. No, see, these are tears. This is the ocean. These are fears. This is devotion. Welcome back, and thank you for tuning in to Full Circle, your cultural affairs magazine on 94.1 FM and kpfa.org. It's produced by apprentices and graduates of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program, and I am your host tonight, Senti and Shiloh B., and we are celebrating Black History Month by discussing the book, A Black Woman's History of the United States. I ended that last segment with a song, I Owe You Nothing, from the Gambian-Swedish artist, Sainabu C. I played this song because of the violence black women face and the punishment they endure for acting in self-defense. As the co-authors, Dr. Gross and Dr. Barry Wright, the same system that denied black women protection proved all too willing to punish them for self-defense. And this is still true to this day. And before that was an excerpt from an interview of Fannie Lou Hamer, from the Voices That Change the World collection on the Pacifica Radio Archives. Tonight's show is inspired by a Black woman's history of the United States because this book, as Charlene A. Curthers stated, in 2020, is a gift to anyone interested in a more complete, a more truthful story of the United States by starting the history about Black women on this land with us as a free people and as people agitating for our freedom. And Fannie Lou Hamer is one such activist for liberation, as you heard her describe after encountering the locked door of the DNC. Hamer ends with critiquing the Voting Rights Bill of 1965 and asking, does the Constitution of the United States even mean anything? Even further, listeners, do you know the long 
title of the Voting Rights Act of 1965? Well, here it is. An act to enforce the 15th Amendment to the Constitution of the United States and for other purposes, be it enacted by the Senate and House of Representatives of the United States of America in Congress assembled, that this act shall be known as the Voting Rights Act of 1965. The 15th Amendment to the United States Constitution prohibits the federal government and each state from denying or abridging a citizen's right to vote on account of race color, or previous condition of servitude. It was ratified on February 3, 1870, as the third and last of the Reconstruction Amendments. Recent U.S. Supreme Court cases in 2013 and 2021 severely weakened the Voting Rights Act of 1965 by effectively halting the preclearance process to proactively prevent discrimination and by making it harder to challenge voter suppression. What this all means is that places with a long history of voter suppression are able to pass laws that discriminate against voters and that the Supreme Court will no longer protect the rights of these voters or the notion of democracy. And it means protections that were in place that already weren't comprehensive enough from 1965 to 2013 no longer exist. It also means that it will require an act of Congress to rectify this continued enforcement of the denial of democracy and voter suppression for African Americans and for all people of the global majority. So the act that would right this wrong is called the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act. Check out our website kpfaapprentice.org for links to more information about what actions you can take to support it. Fannie Lou Hamer also asked a question that many have been asking since 1619. When will African Americans' human rights become real and part of the lived experience in the United States? And as a history of Black women in the United States writes, it begins with and will only continue with the demand for justice and protection of African American women. In Chapter 3 of the book, Dr. Barry and Dr. Gross write of how Black women use the courts and their feet words and actions to liberate themselves from the yoke of slavery. So I'm going to play Alicia Keys' song, Unthinkable, I'm Ready, from the album The Element of Freedom, released in 2016 on J Records. And I will follow that up with an excerpt from an interview from 1982 with Entozake Shenge, who was a playwright, poet, writer, and feminist, best known for her Obie award-winning play, for colored girls who have considered suicide when the rainbow is enough. In this interview, Shange discusses her first novel, Sassafras, Cypress, and Indigo, originally published in 1982 by St. Martin's Press. The novel weaves together the distinct experiences of three sisters and their mother as it moves through the past, present, and future of their lives and the lives of mystical and real African-American women. Listen in to these wise words of Keys and Shange. Until you all that comes to me 
three women who are in fact sisters uh, whose names are Sassafras, Cypress, and Indigo. They are the daughters of a weaver in Charleston, South Carolina, whose name is Hilda Ephania. Um, they are all in what I call uh, nascent stages of womanhood, uh, meaning any time after puberty. Um, and they, we experience, hopefully as readers, uh, their development to higher levels of, of their own humanity and to some understanding of the power and beauty of their uh, of their womanness and also of their arts. Um, we watch them uh, grow as artists and as political creatures in 20th century North America. And I sort of enjoy them because uh, they all make different choices about how they want to live, where they want to live, with whom they want to associate, and how they're going to redress the uh, wrongs done to their people. They're very, very um, uh, committed to, uh, as their mother says, improving the race. Where there is a woman, there is magic. If there is a moon falling from her mouth, she is a woman who knows her magic, who can share or not share her powers. A woman with a moon falling from her mouth, roses between her legs and tiaras of Spanish moss, this woman is a consort of the spirits. Indigo seldom spoke. There was a moon in her mouth. Having a moon in her mouth kept her laughing. Whenever her mother tried to pull the moss off her hair or clip the roses around her thighs, Indigo was laughing. Mama, if you pull them off, they'll just grow right back. It's my blood. I got earth blood filled up with Geechee's long gone in the sea. Sitting among her dolls, Indigo looked quite mad. 
As a small child, she'd stuffed socks with red beans, raw rice, sawdust, or palm leaves, tied ribbons and made necks so they could have heads and torsos, then eyes from carefully chosen buttons or threads, hair from yarn specially dyed by her sisters and her mama, dresses of the finest silk patches, linen shoes and cotton underskirts, satin mitts or gloves embroidered with the delight of a child's hand. These creatures were still her companions, keeping pace with her changes, her moods and dreams as no one else could. Indigo heard them talking to her in her sleep. Sometimes, when someone else was talking, Indigo excused herself. Her dolls were calling her. There was so much to do. Black people needed so many things. That's why Indigo didn't tell her mama what all she discussed with her friends. It had nothing to do with Jesus, nothing at all. Even her mama knew that, and she would shake her head the way folks do when they hear bad news, murmuring, something's got hold to my child. I swear she's got too much south in her. Indigo imagined tough winding branches growing from her braids, deep green leaves rustling by her ears, doves and macaws flirting above the nest they'd fashioned in the secret protected niches way up in her headdress. When she wore this Carolinian costume, she knew the cobblestone streets were really polished oyster shells, covered with pine needles and cotton flowers. She made herself her world from all that she came from. There wasn't enough for Indigo in the world she had been born to, so she made up what she needed what she thought the black people needed, access to the moon, the power to heal, and daily visits with the spirits. Buenas, and thank you for tuning in to Full Circle, the weekly show produced by apprentices and graduates of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program, here on 94.1 FM and all the time on kpfa.org. As Indigo just stated, we all need access to the moon, the courage to heal, and daily visits from the ancestors and spirits. Those are the words of Entozake Shenge's character Indigo from her debut novel, Sassafras, Cypress, and Indigo. This novel celebrates the humanity of four different black women in a poetic and powerful way as they endeavor to resist the wrongs done to African Americans. Because where there is a woman, there is magic, and tonight I am discussing black women magic with the book, A Black Woman's History of the United States, as part of our Black History Month programming here on Full Circle. And before the reading from Shanghai at Cody's Bookstore in 1982, Alicia Keys' song, Unthinkable, I'm Ready, blessed our ears. I was wondering maybe, could I make you my baby? If we do the unthinkable, would it make us look crazy? Or would it be so beautiful? I am your host, DJ Lowe, and I am reading excerpts from A Black Woman's History of the United States by historians Dr. Barry and Dr. Gross, sharing segments of speeches by some of the black women in the book as well as music to accompany these segments because the songs move me and reinforce some of the main themes discussed. Up next, the important words of Shirley Chisholm as she calls for people to have the courage of your convictions to get to the root of the problem in these United States to confront the cancer of racism that perpetuates injustices, violences, and oppression. I will follow up Shirley Chisholm's important and relevant calls for action with Andre Day's Rise Up, first released in 2015 on the Cheers to Fall album by Warner Records. Listen in to a message from the 1970s that still rings true today. The words of Shirley Chisholm. We've got to have the courage of our convictions to get to the root of the difficulty in the United States of America. And the root of the difficulty in America is racism. 
racism, which is the bugaboo of America, and renders her vulnerable to the attacks of her opponents, both inside of this country and outside of this country. We must begin to suit the action to the word. But you know what? We have been living the lie. We have. And we've got to recognize it. People do not like to hear the truth because the truth has a way of startling you. But the truth shall set all of us free. The young people in this country, they are upset by many of the cliches of leadership in the public and the private sector saying to them, do as I say, but not as I act. The young people are very sophisticated, and they're very, very knowledgeable. And we cannot continue to perpetrate the lie. We believe in making the world safe for democracy. In the United States today, the action has not yet been suited to these words. And that's why we are in trouble. They know that in the United States of America, that there is a cancer that's eating away at the roots of the United States of America. And that cancer is racism. Thank God for them because they have a deeper sense of commitment to social justice in America than many of their elders who have been the beneficiaries of the status quo and are not about to give anything up to anybody so long as they make it. What we have got to do in America is to have guts. We've got to have guts. We've got to have courage in our respective communities in this land. We've got to come out and take forceful stand for what is right, for what is just. It has nothing to do with skin color. It has something just to do with the simple belief in common justice for all people. And you must make your stand. Let your voices be heard and begin to show the way to other people in the communities in which you live. And remember that when you begin to take forceful stands, when you begin to operate in a non-traditional, perhaps non-conformist way, that you are going to be labeled, that you are going to be called all kinds of things. But anybody today in America that decides to take a stand and fight for justice and decency, and dare to attack the evils, the injustices, and the grievances of the system, must realize that his head is on the block. So if you realize that, you will be able to carry on. We've got to be able to do this, because there are too many forces in America that are just waiting to take over. This is what we are confronted with in the United States as we move into the 1970s. The 1960s has opened up everything. 
youth at war, women at war, black people at war, Indians at war, Mexican-Americans at war, everybody at war. But what is going to be the common denominator that's going to make all of us realize once and for all that we are Americans and that we can find a way to work together and respect each other without reference to skin color. This is the challenge to every one of us seated here this afternoon within range of my voice. And I want to say particularly to the young people, because you are the ones that will be coming ahead, will be taking over the leadership of this nation, have the four C's, in spite of what anybody may say to you, have courage, have commitment, have concern, and have compassion. The time has come when we can no longer be the passive recipients of whatever the morals or the politics of a nation may decree for people. But that if we believe in justice and right, we will rise up and speak out against the evils and the odds of this society. We will speak. We will do our best deeds. And once you do that, you will find that you will get the strength and the stamina somehow to carry on. You're broken down and tired of living life on the merry-go-round. And you can't find a fighter, but I see it in you, so we gon' walk it out. Move mountains, we gon' walk it out and move. Silence is it quiet And it feels like it's getting hard to breathe And I know you feel like dying But I promise we would take the world to its feet Move our days Bring it to its feet
each other And for that we have each other Hey, KPFA listeners. Thanks for tuning in to Full Circle, your cultural affairs magazine here on 94.1 FM and worldwide all the time on kpfa.org. I am your host, Senti and Shiloh B., and I am sharing an important book today in honor of Black History Month, A Black Woman's History of the United States, first published in 2019 on Beacon Press by Dr. Dana Ramey Berry and Dr. Kali Nicole Gross. I started that last segment with the words of Shirley Chisholm, who is quoted in the book as stating, When I die, I want to be remembered as a woman who dared to be a catalyst of change. I don't want to be remembered as the first black woman who went to Congress. And I don't want to be remembered as the first woman who happened to be black to make a bid for the presidency. I want to be remembered as a woman who fought for change in the 20th century. Do you have courage, commitment, concern? and compassion, because we know the time has come to stand up and fight the evils and oppression perpetuated by the institutionalization of white supremacy in these United States. And like Andre Day sings in Rise Up, but I promise we'll take the world to its feet and move mountains, bring it to its feet and move mountains, because as she sings, all we need is hope, and for that we have each other. I hope we do have each other, and you will check out our website after the show to find links to more information about all of the black women featured in the show tonight, and how to support justice and ending racism in this generation. Go to the address kpfaapprentice.org. My final clip from the Pacifica Radio Archive's Voices That Change the World collection is from Kathleen Cleaver, the communications secretary from 1967 to 1971 for the Black Panther Party. She discusses how the Black Panther Party is taking the principles of revolution to the people and translating them into calls for action that integrate lived experience. She is claiming rights for African Americans because, as the co-authors explain, Black women made up the majority of the Black Panthers Party membership by 60%, and Kathleen Cleaver is one example of how Black women found ways to critically shape social justice groups and take on key leadership roles. 
And I will finish tonight's show with two songs because as they write, black women artists, activists, and intellectuals captured and reflected the mood of African-American women across political, social, and class strata. So I will share Nina Simone's Feeling Good, first released in 1965 on the album I Put a Spell on You on Phillips Record, and follow that with Shelley Doty singing Music Saves My Life from Skip the Needles' We Ain't Never Going Back album, released on Little Village Foundation in 2019. Listen in to these words of courage, commitment, concern, and compassion here on KPFA. The Black Panther Party started going through its transitional stage into a full-scale political organization. These are principles of revolution. What the Black Panther Party has done what is take the principles of revolutionary struggle and apply them to the condition of black people and create a form in which they can be implemented in our situation. We went on to organize and attract more and more and more people till at this point, following the murder of Bobby Hutton, you have the mothers in Oakland organized in support of the Panthers, boycotting, taking things to the city council, taking demands, operating on a level that they feel they can operate in the program of the Black Panther Party. Now, I think maybe I should read that program because it's very key. This is the only thing that's missing. The people have demonstrated their will to fight. The people have demonstrated their courage, and they will take power, take freedom by any means necessary. What's missing is direction, political understanding, and an outline program. Point one, we want freedom. We want power to determine the destiny of our black community. Two, we want full employment for our people. Three, we want an end to the robbery by the white man of our black community. Four, we want decent housing fit for shelter of human beings. Five, we want education for our people that exposes the true nature of this decadent American society. We want education that teaches us our true history and our role in the present-day society. Six, we want all black men to be exempt from military service. Seven, we want an immediate end to police brutality and murder of black people. Eight, we want freedom for all black men held in federal, state, county, and city prisons and jails on the basis that they haven't had a fair trial. Nine, we want all black people when brought to trial to be tried in court by a jury of their peer group or people from their black communities as defined by the Constitution of the United States. 10, we want land, bread, housing, education, clothing, justice, and peace. And as our major political objective, a UN supervised black plebiscite to be held throughout the black colony in which only black colonial subjects will be allowed to participate for the purpose of determining the will of black people as to their national destiny. You see, the Black Panther Party does not state issues and state rhetoric and make a lot of high-flown analyses without providing some practical implementation along with it and without taking concrete action along with it. Well, what you have here essentially is the Black Panther Party is the one organization in this country that has implemented 
the rhetoric of SNCC has created a program and an organization capable of taking power, capable of attaining black power. Huey defined power as the ability to define phenomenon and make it act in a desired manner. Birds flying high, you know how I feel. Sun in the sky, you know how I feel. Breeze drifting on by, you know how I feel. It's a new dawn, it's a new day. It's a new life for me, yeah. It's a new dawn, it's a new day. It's a new life for me. Ooh, 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 ooh. And I'm feeling good. Fly out in the sun, you know what I mean, don't you know? Butterflies all having fun, you know what I mean? Sleep in peace when day is done, that's what I mean. And this old world is a new world and a bold world for me. I have to say, yeah. music holds the map. 
And that brings us to the end of tonight's show. Thank you for listening tonight as I spoke about just a fraction of the contributions made by Black women to the history of the United States. I have been your host, Senti and Shiloh B, a.k.a. DJ Lowe, and this show has been a labor of love and a call to tell the truth about how Black women resist, contribute, and demand justice. The co-authors of A Black Woman's History of the United States write it best when they state, We owe a debt to the Black women who came before us, those who persevered and those who did not, because the totality of their history is what informs our present and readies us to continue to fight for justice for ourselves and by extension for all. And like Shelley Doty sang, imagine for a moment that you have something to say. Music holds the map to living life in harmony and music is a language that says everything we need. A black woman's history of the United States says everything we need by reminding us that black women's history in its fullest sense serves as a historical roadmap of the failures of mainstream approaches to democracy and an inclusive tutorial on what to do about it. Remember to check out our website, kpfaapprentice.org, to learn more about the history of Black women's contribution to building these United States, how to get the book, and to check out what you can do to support ending racism in this generation, as well as learn more about the music played tonight because music definitely has saved many lives in the fight for freedom as we act to make a new dawn, a new day, and a new life for Black women of all backgrounds, experiences, and perspectives. Shout out to the Full Circle crew, our executive producer, Miss M, Joy Moore, our production consultant, and Free Will and Franklin, our technical director. And as always, thanks for tuning in, and remember to turn inward to tell the truth about yourself and how you show up in this world, so that we may move towards transformative justice. May love as action continue to move you in all you do and how you be in 2023. Peace, love, and justice. This is Senti and Shiloh B. Stay tuned for La Onda Bajita. (laughs) 